right, just a few more moments. For those who do have children 11 and younger, you can also use our children's service in the back to drop them off in the nursery. We do have a nursery and children's program in the back towards the lobby if those of you want to drop off some of your kids. Those of you who are sitting down, why don't you open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. A few more moments for those who are up here. We're not in a hurry. We want you guys to love on them. Make sure everybody gets a chance to say how much you love them. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, my brother. Somebody say an attitude of gratitude will determine my altitude. Say it one more time. An attitude of gratitude will determine my altitude. When you look at life, there are a lot of reasons to be depressed, upset, at unrest, but you will find there's really only one reason to be thankful, and that's God, and every reason from that that's good, you can give back to God. So let me say it like this. If I don't become grateful to God for my family, my family can be a stress to my life. Family without God will not complete you. If I have God in my family, I'll be happy. Come on, somebody say amen. How about sexuality? I don't want to get to uh, PG-13. I'll keep it PG for us. But you take God out of your sexuality. You stop having a grateful mindset set towards sex. You will lose the purpose for sex. Sex will never satisfy you. Can I get an amen for that? Anybody have bad sex before? Can I hear an amen? Y'all getting shy on me. But let's be real. How many have had a bad relationship before? Your attitude for gratitude is going to determine your life's altitude. That's what Jesus taught us, is that you have to learn to be thankful for what you have in life. And so today's message comes from the book of Ephesians as we're in a sermon series called In Him, going verse by verse through Ephesians. I want everyone to look at what Paul does here in this passage and understand Paul is writing from jail. Where is Paul writing from? Jail, thank you. Let's see what he says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, let's read verse 16 together. One, two, three. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Look at your neighbor and say, get a life, a prayer life. No idea what that noise was. They'll figure it out in the back. Somebody say, get a life, a prayer life. Go ahead and help him out, Andrew. But here's the deal. Paul was in jail, but he had a life. He had a prayer life, and that's what enabled him to be thankful. If you today are dealing with depression or anxiety, this message is for you. If you are dealing with worry, and if you have things in your life that are upsetting you, you need to hear this word today because chances are the things that are upsetting you, and I don't just mean like you have a righteous anger. I mean just things that gnaw at you and take away your joy. Chances are it's because you don't have a prayer life. As a matter of fact, everything we take to the Lord in prayer, he will take from us. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? What if I have cancer? Does that mean I get healed instantly? No, but you'll be delivered from the fear of cancer. 
You'll go through cancer better than somebody will go through a cold. Have you ever seen a man cold? I'm one of them men cold kind of people. Once I get a cold, I'm shut down, call the medic, evac me out of here, helicopter me to the Mayo Clinic, something is wrong. Because I'm your typical dude, nothing's going to ever happen to me. And so once I got the, you know, the sniffly, whiffly's, honey, I'm down, honey, help me, honey, you know. But here's the deal. You have faith with God, faith in God, you'll go through cancer better than people go through a cold. I can prove it to you. I can tell you a story about my aunt dying of uh, bone cancer and how she went through it with a smile on her face the entire time. And it wasn't just the morphine. I'm being honest with you. Some people get up in the morning, curse out their wife, kick the dog just because they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. She had a smile on her face as she was dying of bone cancer, one of the worst she could possibly have in hospice. It's the joy of the Lord that gives us strength according to the Bible. It's the joy of the Lord that will do more for you than you can do for yourself. And you see, we all reach an end of the idols that we worship at some point or another, but for many it's too late. For an example, the rich man on his deathbed can't call out for the accountant to take away the regret of wasting his life. Many of you are working with people right now who are wasting their life and they only have cars and houses to show for it. And you may say, well, that's so impressive. They have cars and houses to show for it. But you don't understand what it's like to be at their funerals as I do when you talk to their daughters and you talk to their kids and they say, I never really knew my dad. Yeah, sure, I got a car from him. Sure, I got a great education. But I never knew my dad. I got daddy issues. You see, you can't leave money and gold and stuff like that behind and expect it to change people's hearts. If money changes your heart for the good, then why aren't rich people the most outstanding moral citizens we've ever seen? If money's supposed to be the end all, why doesn't it change lives for good? Why is it, as a matter of fact, the more people you see in our world with reality TV, especially if you keep up with the Kardashians and those like them, the more you're probably more thankful for being who you are. Well, I mean, let's just look at it. Would you rather, A, know your gender or have $100 million and not know whether or not you're a man or a woman? Hello? I was an 18-year-old drug addict saved in my mother's kitchen table. What would I rather have? I'm 40 years old now. What would I rather have? The entire life story of Lincoln Park and Chester Bennington uh, singing songs, making music all over the country, hanging myself then in a closet, or getting saved at 18, going to an unknown Bible school, preaching to unknown people, and pretty much being around ordinary folks my whole life. What would I rather choose? It's kind of foolish when I put the question that way, but sometimes we get confused, don't we? We can't figure it out. And yet Paul is telling us, I haven't stopped giving thanks. I just wonder, has anybody here stopped giving thanks? Did you stop giving thanks for the air that you're breathing today? Did anybody here stop giving thanks for the life that you have? Did anybody here stop giving thanks because you need to start giving thanks? You need to start giving thanks and get an attitude of gratitude and determine your altitude in life today. It doesn't matter what you go through. You can go through it with God. You can go through it with God. Some people shake their fist at God and say, well, I didn't ask for cancer and why didn't I got it? Well, listen, here's your options now. Cancer with God or cancer without God. Which one do you want? Problems with God, problems without God. You think the atheist doesn't get cancer? 
You, you don't think that the immoral person doesn't have the same problems they do. So all you get to do is just for a few years just pretend God doesn't exist, but then in eternity now you can't run anywhere. People think they take their life. They ended it all. All they just did is sent themselves to eternity faster. And if they didn't know God, they went right to hell. I don't mean to be mean or insensitive. This is a place where people get set free from suicide. This is a place where people who were on depression medication get set free. And I don't even tell them to stop taking the medication. The doctor tells them. People all up in this church came from homosexuality, lesbianism. People all up in this church came from wealthy backgrounds or having lots of money and have turned to Jesus Christ. You see, you have to know today that your purpose is to know God, to make him known, to give thanks, and to get a prayer life. Everything else will come through that. You'll know who to marry when you have a good prayer life, amen? You'll know what job to work when you have a prayer life, okay? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Everybody say, I'm supposed to know God better. If I was to ask you a bunch of stats that were important to you, you more than likely could tell me. If I was to say, tell me your favorite team, tell me who's on the lineup, guys, right? Or tell me, you know, what the stock numbers are today. Or ladies, tell me where the shoe sales are right now. Come on. If I was to ask you about anything that's important to you, young people, what video game is coming out? You know, what car guy is here? You know, what? tell me what muffler you want, you know, because somehow these guys just want louder and louder mufflers. Why is that? I do not know. <laughs> You know, okay, you, you love life now? Okay, I'm glad you're happy. Everybody cares about something. You care about clothes. You care about your family. You care about this. I just want to know, do you care about knowing Jesus? Because Jesus is the one that gives those things purpose, even if you have a loud car. Can I get an amen? Verse 18, thank you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Are you guys seeing a lot of commas here? This is a run-on sentence for Paul, but it's powerful. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in in the age to come. Look at verses 18 through 21. It's one big run-on sentence. Paul is saying this, I pray that you know the hope beyond the scope of human limitations. I pray that you know the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead will get you out of bed and put a pep in your step. You don't have to wake up tomorrow and go, oh man, it's Monday. You can wake up tomorrow and go, it's Monday. Let's get it done. I'm telling you, you could go to work tomorrow and say, let's win. Let's win. You could get up tomorrow, kiss your kids, kiss your husband, kiss your wife, kiss yourself if you're single. Look at yourself in the mirror. Say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I am going to get things done today. Oh, you say, Pastor, that just sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit that I saw. Everybody likes me, and they love me. You know, if you ever saw that guy look in the mirror and play make-believe. Listen, this is not a skit. This is not make-believe. Your attitude is going to determine your altitude. You will get everything in life that you want to get for your emotional satisfaction. Sadly, those who want to get destruction will reap that destruction. And you say, well, I don't want emotional destruction. You do when you change, when you change your desire from God to something else. And so the Bible says we're all sowing seeds with our thoughts, and we will reap emotionally every seed that we sow. 
And I don't mean to say that bad things happen to good people because they do bad things. Bad things happen to me. Bad things happen to Jesus. How many know crucifixion is not a good thing? How many know you don't wake up and say, I want that to happen today? Beat me 39 times, put me up on the tree, put nails. No, but bad things happen to good people because bad things happen in this world. But it's your emotional life that you get control over. As one person said, it's not what happens to you, it's what happens in you when it happens to you that makes the difference. There's people who can go through Auschwitz and come out serving God in life and literally be Jewish people who were survivors of the Holocaust, knowing Jesus like Corey Timboon going to the concentration camps and suffering. They literally can come out, see the sun, see the birds chirping, and live for God. And there's literally people here, you lose a job, you lose your mind. You lose a girlfriend, you lose your mind. Why is it we learn from people who have gone through the hardest tragedies, they can make it, but for us, it just literally seems like one pebble in our shoe, and we're just ready to give up. Hello? There are some people, seriously, if you want to take that analogy, they lose their legs, they're going to do it in a wheelchair. They lose their hands, they're going to crawl. Like that one guy, have you ever seen the guy who has no arms, no legs, and he's learned to crawl and play soccer and to swim with his little stubs? I mean, this is amazing. And yet I got teenagers here that can't even take out the garbage. Come on. I got teenagers here that don't even want to go to school. I mean, this is unbelievable. We got young adults, and I play video games, so I'm going to tell them myself here, but we got young adults that are still playing video games and don't have a job. And we're trying to figure out, like, what more do they need? No, you can't do it with the external. You do it with the internal. God changes the heart. You sow the seed with the word of God. You say, I am who God says I am. I can do what he said I can do. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of me. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. I haven't even got to the message yet. I got nine more passages to go to. Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over how many things for the church? Over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do you want God to fill everything in every way? That's what heaven looks like right now. That's what heaven on earth looks like through us, God filling everything in every way. And that's what it's going to look like when the kingdom of God comes, is God filling everything in every way. What is the place we call where God does not fill everything in every way? What do we call that place? And people go there because they don't want God to fill everything in every way, starting with this thing right here. God is not a divine kidnapper, and I don't say that in a blaspheming way. Trust me, I'm not doing this to belittle God. I'm doing it to belittle our mindsets. God is not a rapist. God does not come and say, hey, you want to come on over here? And then he starts, like, touching you and petting you. No, 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 no. God is a gentleman. God says, do you want my kingdom? You say no. He goes, okay, that's your choice. You can have hell. He's not, he's not, he's not going to stalk you. Hello. He's not going to force his way into your heart. And when he comes in, he's not going to say, now I'm going to deadbolt the doors and not be able to have, have a way out. No, you can come in Christ and go right out of Christ. You can ask him into your heart and you can tell him to leave your heart. He's not forcing anything on you. It's, it's intimacy. It's relationship. Everybody understand that? It's relationship. Do you want God to fill everything? Yes, I want the divine romance. Get, get rid of sexual analogies now. Just go divine romance. I want a loving relationship with my Father in heaven, right? Do you all want that? And I want that today in every way in everything. I want that tomorrow in every way in everything because that's going to change my life and give me the reason why I'm here. Otherwise, I'll be worshiping a false idol 
that I will suffer for in eternity because God did not put me here just for a job. God did not put me here just for sex, though that's fun. Come on. God did not put me here just to be educated, though we should know smart things, be smart. God put me here to be filled with him in every way. He said, the day you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's what he said to Adam and Eve. He said, you shall surely die. What is death? Separation from God, not being filled with him in every way. Is there any part of your heart today that you don't want God to fill? He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Can I get an amen? How many want Jesus to fill your heart today? Amen. Keep coming by. We're going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. That's the passage that we're in. Last week we talked about faith and love. Today we're talking about giving thanks. Next week we'll talk about having the spirit of wisdom and revelation and so forth. All of these notes can be found on our website or the app. Everybody say Paul was grateful. Quickly now, I know I had a long introduction, but quickly I want to show you the life of Paul and how he was grateful. Most of Paul's life in the time he's writing this, I should not say most of his life, but most of the time he's writing the epistles, he's in jail. He's in jail, but look at a pattern of thankfulness. Let's go to the book of Romans. You can follow along because i got to go quickly on the screen. Romans 1.8, Paul was grateful for their faith and prayed to visit them to impart spiritual gifts. He said, first, I thank God through Jesus Christ. What did he first do? Thank God. I wonder what's the first thing you do in life. He said, I get up in the morning, I thank God. I, first thing I do is I thank God. And he said, I start thinking about you guys. I don't complain. I start praying. Look at Corinthians. He was grateful for God's grace, enrichment, and spiritual gifts in their life. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4, I what? Always thank my God for you because of his grace. He did always what? He always thanked God. He had a pattern of thanking God. Do you have a pattern of thanking God for the things in your life? Going back to what we just saw in Ephesians, he said, I have not stopped giving thanks. Well, if you start something and you don't stop, that means it is continuing, isn't it? So how do you have a continual life of gratitude? How do you not stop something once you start it and it comes into uh, the thing of prayer? You do it with your thoughts. Have you ever stopped thinking? Did you know that you were even thinking when you didn't think you were thinking, like when you were dreaming or sleeping? But you were thinking. You're always thinking. What are the direction of your thoughts? What are you thinking about right now while I'm talking about you thinking? Think about what you're thinking. Are you thinking about how grateful you are to be thinking? Have you ever thought about that? Because you could be an animal that's not really thinking about their thinking. Do you know that's the difference between you and your dog? That's why you could eat your dog if you got hungry enough. No offense to pets, but I'm just saying we were meant to eat animals. Do you know why that you can eat your animals? Because they're not thinking about what they're thinking about. That means they're not conscious in the way we are. They do have a soul. They do have a life in that sense. But they're not made in the image of God, and they don't have the ability to think about what they're thinking about. Now, ask yourself this. When I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about, am I thinking about how grateful I am to be thinking about what I'm thinking about? You think about stuff. They say most of the time we're thinking about negative stuff, though. See how quickly we go into a ditch? Here, God gives us a mind. It gets polluted with sin. Now we have free will. We make the wrong choice. Not once, not twice, but an average person thinks about 35,000 thoughts a day, most of those being negative. We make 20 to 30 wrong thousand thoughts a day, 20 to 30,000 wrong thoughts a day. Is it any wonder we're more on Prozac now than ever before? Is it any wonder that now we're more depressed than ever before? Is it any wonder that we always got to have something on in our ears, on the TV, around us? Is it any wonder that no matter how much we have, no matter how much money, it's just never enough. Is it any wonder? I wonder if it has to do with up here stinking thinking. 
because we haven't turned our thoughts towards God and did what Paul did and say, I've started and I haven't stopped thanking God. Come on, somebody. How about this in the next book? Paul talks about in Philippians, he was grateful for the partnership he had with them in the gospel, and he prayed for their love to abound and to discern what is best. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Do you have people that you thank God for every time you remember them? Is everybody here thankful for parents? Is everybody here thankful for a free country? Is everybody here? And I'm not saying everything is good in our country or everything was good with your parents. I'm just saying, are you thankful? Are you thankful for the opportunities to learn from your mistakes? Are you thankful for second and third chances? Are you thankful for the ability to gain knowledge and information? Are you thankful that today all of you are well clothed and you're not naked? Are you thankful that you're not in a mental hospital today? Come on, somebody. Are you thankful that you're not alone, that there's people here that love you? Are you thankful for the word of God that gives you hopes and promises beyond what you and I can see? Are you thankful? He said, every time I remember you, I'm thankful. Let's keep going. He says here in Colossians, I'm grateful for their faith and love. He prayed for them to be filled with knowledge and God's will. All of these passages are here. And I just challenge you, if you're struggling getting a life, a prayer life, just, Paul, just pray Paul's prayers. He gave you his prayers and you could take notes from him. And he said, Lord, I'm thank you, thankful that they know your will, they live a worthy life of you, and that you give them joy and endurance. Look at Colossians 1.3. We always thank God. Somebody say, we always thank God. Thank you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith. Continuing on here, we see that Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy is the leader of the church of Ephesus. He said, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. In Thessalonians, in the first book, chapter 1, verse 2, he said, we always thank God for all of you, continually mention you in our prayers. I wonder if we started praying for our enemies, what that would do in our lives. Come on, as well as our friends, okay? Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, we ought always to thank God for you. He says, now, just to remind you guys, not only do I do it, I ought to do it. This is something I ought to do. Somebody say, I ought to do this. Thank you. And then we see here that Paul wrote to Philemon, which was a person that he was discipling. And he says in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. I wonder how many of us, I just mean this honestly because I have to slow down my preaching on this, this part of the sermon. I just wonder how many of us are doing this. Because I, as a pastor, have to come and clean up messes. And it's like a parent. You know, I'm not your parent. I'm not trying to be in that way. I mean, I love to be an example to young people. And in any example I can be to you, that's awesome. Maybe I'll be like a big brother to some of you or like a cousin. Or for some of you who are older, I'll be like your nephew. Okay, I'm cool with any realm there. I don't have to be like the parent figure here. But I want to use a parent example. When I walk into the room and my kids have made a mess because they have not asked for instruction, and now I have to take extra time out of my day to clean this entire mess up, that's not as fun as them asking me for help before they make the mess so I can do it with them and train them. Can I get an amen from some parents here? How many parents would just like your kids to ask you how to pour milk into their cereal before they try it on their own with the gallon, and you come in and half the gallon's all over the countertop. I'm just going to confess some things to you right now as a father of five, okay? And the milk's all over the place, and the cereal's everywhere. And then you didn't get to it before they found out a fun game to do with it, and they're playing with it. You didn't get there soon enough. Now you have to figure that game out and clean it all up. But how many parents would rather just, just all they had to do was just say, Dad, can I have help pouring the milk? And then I would say, okay, here's how you do it. Because we do want them to do it, but you got to use two hands. How many know two hands is the key with a lot of things with children? Two hands. 
two hands will change your world. Grab it this way, this way, till, you know. I wonder how many times I come to situations where people would have asked for help first. They wouldn't be in that situation they're in. Okay, guys, here I am as pastor. I put on my counseling hat. You guys want a divorce now. All the hell that's breaking loose in your family. Blow the whistle. Back up. Take me to this moment. Did you ask for help the first day you went to bed mad because you saw a friend, or you saw your husband get a, you know, a message from his ex-girlfriend? Did you stop that day and ask for help how to get over this? Or did you let it build up and build up? You know, or when the recession was going on, praise God, we're making our way through that. But a lot of these men, you know, uh, and I can say this for men and women, but I could relate to the men because I went through it. The, the hardest time of my life was three months when I didn't have a job. Because what, what do men do? They wake up every day. I'm a plumber. I'm going to go plumbing. Hey, fellow plumbers, let's go plumbing today. Oh, you need me? Okay, I'm a plumber. I'm going to fix your thing today. Okay, I'm going to go back to my kids now. I worked hard as a plumber today so I can feed you. What do you do when you don't have a job? You wake up. I am a uh, I don't know who I am. You lose your identity just like that. Same thing with mothers when their kids move out. I'm a mother. I'm a mother. Got to take the kids to school. Got to take them to practice. Got to do this. Got to do this. Got to do this. I got to do this. Got to do this. Bye, kids. You went to college. I wake up today. I'm a, what am I now? It's hard for people when they lose these idols or these things they put before God. Yes, you're a mother for God, but God says mothers need to know seasons and reasons. And yes, you're a worker, a plumber for it. But don't make that thing an idol because that idol won't love you back. Okay? Listen. Listen. Kids can love you back, but the idol of being a mother can't love you back. Okay? But now watch this. I wonder how often people make these idols, find themselves in despair, and, and didn't understand that the problem was way back here. See, the problem, sir, wasn't the day you lost your job. It was the day you bought the boat, you took the two-week vacation, you did all of this, and you never gave God thanks. That's where your problem began. What happened was you realized it when the job was gone, but the problem started over here. I remember one preacher telling me the story about a man that was always tithing, a faithful man. I mean, most pastors don't know, like, I don't know what you give and all that. I don't want to know. It's between you and the Lord. Accountant takes care of all this. But this one gentleman was always faithful to help out in projects. And so the pastor knew. He was a generous person. Let's put it that way. And he said that the man came up to him and said, Pastor, I, I just want to tell you this. I finally have broken in to a million-dollar bonus in this company. We have projected our growth, and it happened, and I get a million dollars all up that front. And he said, Pastor, I don't know if I can give 100000 to this church. I've been tithing. I've been faithful. I just don't know if I can do it. And he said, why? He said, because that's a lot of money, Pastor. He said, why don't I just give 10000 now, maybe a few thousand later? And, and then this is what the pastor said. You were tithing great when you were making 100000 a year. You know, you were tithing great when this, this and that. He said, so why don't we pray for God to take it all away and bring you back to the place you're comfortable giving again? Because if for whatever reason now you think it has changed, that 10% changed for you because now it's cutting a check of 100000 your idol is money now. So let's pray for you to go back down to kindergarten so you can learn to tithe again off $10. 
See, the problems aren't usually our problems. The problems start before our problems. They have symptoms, and the symptoms start with a lack of gratitude. I would just like to say today, I am glad I get to be in church. I don't have to be here. I would just like to say, I am glad I get to be a pastor because I don't have to be one. I am glad I get to be married with five kids because I didn't have to be here. Is there anybody else today that just wants to be thankful and say, God, you didn't have to? But you did. You saved a sinner like me. You've done so much in my life. I am grateful. Gracias, Señor. Gracias, Señor. Is there anybody else here today that just wants to say, thank you, Jesus? Come on, somebody. You see, we have to get to the point where we realize most of our problems, if we're honest, start from a place of lack of gratitude. Quickly, in closing, track with me. Adam and Eve. They weren't grateful for what they had. That's why they wanted something else. That's why they wanted something else. The man who has the affair, listen to me, sisters. It's not that you're not good enough. He has a problem with gratitude. It's never enough. It's never enough. Those of you chasing down your dreams and you think, well, I'll spend more time with my kids when I get this promotion. And I'll spend more time with my kids when I get this business. It's never going to change because it's never enough here. Your soul will be at rest when you come to Jesus Christ and accept his best. You have to stop. I'm not saying we lose our determination to be great in life. I'm not saying we stop the drive and the focus. That, that's what we are all wanting to do in life, be the best at what we do. And I love using the example of uh, Carr, the starting, starting quarterback for the Raiders, just got the largest signing deal with the, the Raiders for $100 million, and they interviewed him and said, what are you going to do? He said, the first thing I'm going to do is give my tithe to the church. Now, that's a man that's faithful, amen? Now, you know if, that, if you were a pastor, you'd be like, thank God for that man. Oh, I'm so happy Carr comes to my church. You know, you know there were some pastors like popping bottles, celebrating. Oh, come on. You know, sorry. Anyway, there's a little pastor inside thing there. But you know pastors will get excited. And then the second thing he said, I'm going to take my wife shopping. And all the men said, amen. I mean, that's awesome. And I know we have a lot of independent women. I can shop for myself. Amen. But you still know you like it when your man takes you out. Amen. The idea is we need to become grateful. Adam and Eve weren't grateful. The cheating man isn't grateful. The woman with 100 pairs of shoes that puts another pair of shoes on her credit card is not grateful. The teenager that needs another thing isn't grateful. Every birthday parent, every Christmas, you could just give them one card that says you're welcome, and that can be their gift. And if they ask you, what is that? Well, you're welcome to say the lights. You're welcome. The food, you're welcome. This house, you're welcome. Happy birthday. And if they don't believe you, I'm serious. Ship them back down to Chilapa, Mexico, when my friend came here. Ship them right down to the village again. Ship them right back to Africa. Ship them to uh, Mozambique with our missionaries and just show them again. There's no running water, no hot water, no electricity. Come on, somebody. We all came from this. Well, that's what's amazing to me. You go back and you, you study all of our cultures. All of our cultures came from rural, humble backgrounds. Most of us were not ruling and reigning with the Incans, the Mayans, the Egyptians. Most of our cultures were just rural people. And now in the Western world, we have all of these things, and yet we're not grateful anymore. We need to be thankful. Can I hear an amen? Modern science confirms this. I got this from psychology today in closing. Adam, would you come? Seven benefits of gratefulness. Gratitude opens the door to more relationships. How many know you want to hang around with somebody that's grateful? 
You don't want to hang around with people that are complaining all the time. You're going to have more friends that way. So if you're sitting in this church complaining about not having a lot of friends in this church, the problem is you're complaining all the time about not having a lot of friends in the church. Stop complaining and go out and make friends. Go and make friends. And if you keep seeing that people don't want to be your friend, just ask the next one before they leave. Say, help me be a good friend. Because maybe you're just not a good friend. And I say that in all sincerity because I wasn't a good friend. I literally had to do that in Bible college. I had to say, why doesn't anybody like me here? Nobody wanted to hang out with me. I had to do it. I was lonely. I was living in New Orleans. I was from the Midwest, Indiana, and, and nobody wanted to hang out with me. I'll be honest. I had to talk to my roommate. So when I say this, I don't say that lightly. I mean that honestly. If you don't have, I mean, this is the biggest social uh, gathering you will be a part of. Unless some of you are part of real big companies and they have a corporate meeting maybe annually, this is what, if you come to a church like this every week, this is your biggest social gathering right here. So you have more chances to be offended, upset with somebody, oh my goodness, or you have enough chances to get over yourself and start being a friend and loving each other. Amen? Okay, so I'm being honest. If you don't know how to make friends, ask somebody before they drop you again, what is my problem? And they told me what my problem is, and I'm not going to tell you here. No, I'm kidding. No, they were just like, you're mean. And so I'm being nicer. They were like, you are mean, bro. Like, dude, I, did, I just, it, to me, like other than Jesus, myself, and maybe like two other people, everybody else was going to hell. That's how I was when I first got saved. And you're like thinking, some of you are like, dude, you are still like that. You have no idea what I was like 20 years ago. I was, you want to talk about trying to drink water out of fire hose. It was like nonstop. Anyways, I'm a little embarrassed now. But I'm learning to be nice. How many are learning to be nice? Anybody else? I'm learning to be nice. I don't want people to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. Gratitude improves your physical health. I mean, we know this now. It is so true to how you are with your body and your mind. It is like unified. They call this neuroplasticity, that your mind actually structures your brain. They thought when we, start, we, we you know, got into the medical health field, they just thought you, you could be drugged up and get over all your mental issues, and they found out you can't. You just can't be drugged up and become a better person. That's why once you get into that realm, you got to be very careful. And I say this as a pastor. I don't have anything against doctors, especially with mental illness and medication. But you have to understand they have side effects. And you got to be very careful, okay? Family's got to watch you and love you and care for you. But happiness is a choice. And sometimes your body doesn't feel it. Think of it like this. For those of you who have ever been depressed, you can relate to this. It's like when you wake up in the morning and you're groggy. And some days you can just get out of it. When you're dealing with the depression, it's like the grogginess never leaves you. And you feel like you're swimming or walking in like syrup, like everything is so hard. Well, you, that's where you got to put down some good work here and work in your mind these habits until they start to reform the emotions, okay? And that's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh is as he is. And another place it says, be renewed in your mind. So all of us from time to time may feel these things come upon us, but we've got to be fast to fight against them. Amen? I'm talking even at times where you're really sad, like when I lost my sister and I was really sad because she died drinking and driving. You've got to guard your mind, okay? It improves your physical health. Every day is a good day with Jesus. That's my motto. Amen? Even days that have bad things happen, every day is still a good day with Jesus. Gratitude improves physiological health. That's very similar to what we talked about. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. How many know when you're in a good attitude, it's easier to put up with other people's mess? How many know when you're not in a good attitude, you ain't putting up with a whole lot? Okay? 
Well, gratitude changes your attitude and helps you put up with people. So everybody look up at me and then make it personal again. So you walk in tomorrow, this stinking job, I can't wait to quit this place. Okay, how many know with that attitude, someone's going to tick you off pretty fast. The customer's going to tick you off. Your boss is going to tick you off. You are going to get mad that day. So you got to come in there and be like, thank God for this job. Woo! I may not feel it right now. I may not like you, but I am going to thank God for this job, and I'm going to thank God for you, and I'm going to start this day in thankfulness. Amen. Gratitude helps people sleep better. I'm not trying to say everything you deal with in sleep is always going to come down to attitude, but in my study and uh, looking into these things and being a pastor, a lot of it does. Worry is a form of not having gratitude. If you trace it back, you may say, well, how does it connect? Well, well track with me. So, so just take for me right now. I'll, I'll just give a real simple example. Well, I'm worried about whether or not we'll get this ministry truck, right? So I lay down at night. Thoughts start to race. I don't know if I'm going to get this ministry truck. I don't know if I'm going to get this ministry. See, what's the problem? I'm not sitting there going, thank God for this day. Thank you, Jesus, for the time that I had with my family. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing in my lungs. Thank you, God, for my heart that's been hello. How many know you'll go to sleep like that? Turn the worry off. Get the thanksgiving on. Trust God. Work hard and trust God, okay? I'm not saying I'm not going to work hard for this truck. My wife and I made a generous pledge from our own finances. We're going to do all that we can. But we will sleep better when we turn that off and turn on gratitude. Gratitude improves self-esteem. Most of the reason why people are angry with you is because they're angry with their self. Dr. Meyer said in the book, Happiness is a Choice, he said that the number one issue of depression he faces is resent and anger on the inside. Resentful towards what people didn't do in their life. Resentful towards how they were hurt. And it may be very true, but they start to become bitter. And bitterness is drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. Right? You've heard that? And we shouldn't hope anybody dies. But the point is you pray for them to change and you forgive internally and you will start to appreciate yourself and others more. Can I get an amen on that? And lastly, gratitude increases mental strength. I need to say this in closing before I go. Many of you are new to Christianity or five years or less. We did a survey the other day because our church is new. And a lot of you look at us stronger Christians and you think, well, that's as easy for you, pastor. I mean, look at you. you know. And this kind of idea comes up like it works for us but not for you. But you do not understand what it was like for us when we were like you. You weren't there when I was asking people, why is it I have no friends? So I had to work through that. But you weren't there. My friends now, trust me, when they come to a church like this, they're like, really? You are pastoring this church? Oh, there must be a miracle. Oh, gracias, Señor Jesucristo. No, I'm so serious. Like my old friends, like they look at me and they're like, oh, my goodness, people actually listen to you? They take advice from you. My one friend came to hear me preach, and he was like, I was thinking at some point you were going to say this was like a 10-year trick on everybody. You were just going to pop out and just be like, psych, I'm still on drugs, I'm still crazy. See, the thing is you see me now as a man happily married of 12 years. You see me now with five kids. You see Adam, et cetera. And we don't, you don't see where we started. We started like many of you, like looking in the table of contents. Where is the book of Psalms? I need one of those right now. Okay, here it is. And, and you start reading it, and you're like, okay, I believe it. And you start, you know, confessing it over your life. You pray it. You walk through it every day, and then you'll see the fruit come. You'll see it happen. 
and then, and then over time, now that's how people see you. So when you see me, you don't think I'm going to cuss anymore, right? Like you, you, you are not expecting the pastor to cuss today. How many think that's a good thing? And if I tell you I haven't cussed in almost 22 years, do you believe me? And it's the truth. I haven't cussed in 22 years. But like I'm telling you, the guys I hung out from like 11 to 18, they're like, no way, dude. You're no, no. You're not going to ever not be able to say the F-bomb or blah, 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 you know, because that's all they knew me as. But then time goes on. New habits develop. You are the decisions you make because they make you. Are you listening? The mind gets renewed. The pervert becomes pure. The cursor becomes a blesser. The sinner becomes a saint. Does anybody believe in this? Come on. And so what we need to do is we just need to stop today, whatever we're doing, if we're doing it wrong, and get a life, a prayer life, a prayer life that's grateful to God and believe that His will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. If you believe it, would you stand up with me? Come on. Let's give God a hand clap of praise because we're thankful. Come on, who's thankful today? Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Now I double-dog dare you to thank God for three things right now. In an attitude of prayer, as the band and altar workers come, thank you for joining us today. I just dare you right now to start it off right now. Three things you're thankful for. God, I'm thankful for the baby dedication, the children that are here. God, I thank you for my life. Oh, God, I thank you for the breath in my lungs today, the sun that is shining. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, the Word of God. Come on, you passed three yet? Let's go to ten. Let's go to ten things we're thankful for. I'm thankful today that I have a mind that can learn. I'm thankful today that I haven't been abandoned. I'm thankful today for forgiveness and second and third chances. Thankful for my job, my friends. Who can go to 15? Come on, count it down. 15 now. Five more. I'm thankful today that it's Sunday, a day of rest. I'm thankful today that I have the ability to drive in a car or have transportation. I thank God today that I live in a free country where at least I can worship God and spend my money as I please. Anybody want to go five more? Let's go to 20. Now you go, some of you going to 20, you got to start being more specific. Come on, I thank God for shoes. I thank God for belts and pants and clothes. I thank God for refrigerators, hot water, for a bed, for pillows. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're thankful. Yeah, we're thankful. We're so thankful. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, sing it out, Adam, before we go. We're just going to sing a simple thank you to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Very simple. Would you sing it out from an attitude of worship? Think of the things you're thankful for as you do. Come on, put a smile on your face. Smile will change your world right now. Thank you, Smiling releases endorphins in your mind. Singing starts to produce adrenaline. 
I double dog dare somebody to smile and sing all at the same time. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sing it out. Smile and be thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Hey. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One more time. Let's sing it out. Before we dismiss, would you look up at me, please? Do this on your hardest day. And see if God will not meet you there. Do this on your hardest day. And you tell me if God doesn't meet you there. God has never failed those who go through the hardest times of their life with gratitude. He has never let them down. The Bible says that Paul and Silas were beaten 39 times like Jesus was because that was a popular form of torture by the Romans. They were beaten. They were put in jail. They were tired. They were abandoned. But in the midnight hour, they started to sing out, Whoa! Thank you, Jesus! Come on. They sung it out. Thank you, Lord. You know why? Because they knew they could hurt my body, but they can't touch my soul. The pain may be in this moment, but there's an eternity of joy coming my way. Come on. I may have enemies, but there's more with me than those who are against me. Come on. I may not feel like I can do it, but greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. One more time. No matter what you're going through today, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, anybody thankful? Sing it out one more time. Just the voices and the drums. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, one more time, just like this. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray our dismissal, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here today. I pray if anybody's here that needs help with this, that they'll come forward and receive prayer. 
from people that can encourage them today to know that they're not alone. If anybody here doesn't know you, Jesus, may they come to know you personally as their Lord and Savior. And then for the rest of us, God, every day, let us be thankful because our attitude will determine our altitude. Oh, God, and it will determine, God, what you have for us in this life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise God. Are you thankful? Slap your neighbor high five and say, I'm thankful for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you at Life Groups. You are dismissed. If you need prayer, come on up. We're thankful to pray for you. God bless you, family. for every person in this place today. I thank God for this city. There's revival coming to Chicago. I thank God for transformation of schools, of businesses, of families. I'm thankful for the power of the gospel. today for the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful today for the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Does anybody here want to speak in other tongues in this after party and believe God for fire, fuego, to come through you? Jesus, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, begin to speak in other tongues. If you don't know what that is, come forward. We'll pray for you to know that. Fuego, fuego. I'm thankful church doesn't have to be mundane. I'm thankful for the power and the spontaneity of the Holy Ghost. Touch the world around us everywhere we go, in every way, upon the new families, upon the new school year, upon the new families in the new school year today, upon every job, God, every family. Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus. I'm never thirsty. Come on. There you go. Sing out the bridge. I'm never thirsty. I'm never dry. Oh, let it flow through me. You restore my soul. Never, never the same again. Restore my soul, satisfy. You satisfy me, God. Jesus, I'm never empty, I'm never dry. And let it flow through me. Restore my soul, you satisfy. Yes, let it flow through me. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy the deepest parts of me. Let it flow through me. Let it flow through me. You cry to my soul as deep calls out to deep. Let it flow through me. Oh, Jesus. There's never an end to the goodness of God. The goodness of God knows no end because the goodness of God is attached to His loving nature that cannot change. The rays of your love penetrate my soul. Yeah, the rays of your love they penetrate my soul. Yes, God, and I can see the goodness of my God in the land of the living. Oh, and I can see the goodness of my God in the land of the living. Those who have a song, would you just sing it out now? Whatever song the Lord puts in your heart, whether it's in tongues or known languages. Oh, la, 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 la.
Jesus. Jesus. We're not weird. We're just wired into heaven. We're not weird. We're wired. We're wired into the kingdom. Do you ever remember dial-up internet? When it was establishing its connection, it would make those weird noises. Like, beep, boop, beep, boop. Come on, that's what you're doing right now. That's what the gift of tongues is. That's a 21st century example of what I think happens in the Holy Spirit when we come together. We're getting hardwired into heaven. God is renewing our minds. He's reprogramming us. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I'm not my past. I am who you say I am. Not my past, I am who you say I am. Not my past, Jesus. I am who you say I am. Not my thoughts, I am who you say I am. Not my thoughts, I am who you say I am. The Bible says that they sang songs one to another, spiritual hymns, encouraging each other. Think about those three things as we prepare to dismiss uh, this after party. Singing, a grateful attitude, and praying. Those are the things that change our lives from the inside out. The singing of the Lord, the praying to God. The mindset of gratitude and gratefulness. The Bible says, offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. We offer up our bodies as a thanksgiving offering to God. This is our duty. This is our reasonable duty, the Bible says, is to be grateful, to be thankful, even in the midst of hardships. And it's okay to go through hard times. It's okay to get upset. It's okay to cry. It's okay to question God and say, what are you doing, Lord? I don't understand. But always come from that place where you know ultimately God is good. God is good. He's been good.